Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Um, welcome home again. Just so happy to see you. Um, special welcome to everyone joining us online. I hope to see you in person again very soon. If you don't know me, my name is David. I am one of the pastors here. Thrilled to be sharing from the scriptures today as we continue our new series called Introductions. Introductions. Who was here last week? Anyone? I love those hands. Introductions, a series where we're talking, taking a closer look at Jesus in his own words. Jesus, the most important and influential person who has ever lived. Amen. How he chose to introduce himself to the world through a series of statements in the Gospel of John. And last week we opened up with his first introduction, the introduction that he makes most throughout the Gospels, and that is the Son of Man. I am the Son of Man, which is a symbolic association he tied himself to from Daniel chapter 7. And the implication of this uh, introduction um, is essentially that he is the perfect humanity. This is what Jesus was saying. He is the perfect humanity, the Son of Man, born to reign and rule on God's right hand forever. And this is the passage here from uh, Daniel 7, starting in verse 13. It says, As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And friends, this is more than any other thing in the Gospels, what Jesus chose to attach himself to. He is the Son of Man, the King of the universe, and the perfect humanity forever. If you missed it, I just want to encourage you to go back, listen to the live stream or on the podcast. If you didn't know, we have a podcast on Apple and Spotify. You can listen to these all the time. I know you want to, right? What a gift it is. In the shower, just put on a podcast. Here we go. Um, but I do want to encourage you to catch up because today we're, missing, we're moving on to our second statement from the Gospel of John. And that is found in John chapter 8, verse 12. Another example of Jesus coming and introducing himself to the world so they might know what God is really like. Check it out. John 8, verse 12. Let's read this together, if you would. Starting in verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I'm going to say this over you once, so just pause and receive this from the, the scriptures today. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. 
if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This is the second introduction. Jesus, the Son of Man, says, I am the light of the world. Now, I would say out of all the introductions we see Jesus making, I think this might be the most instantly helpful and encouraging. Not that the rest aren't amazing, they are. Uh, but this one really hits home, especially for us today as 21st century Americans. Why? I, I think it's easy to see the good news in this introduction, the light of the world, because of how incredibly dark the world has become. And I know we don't always like to acknowledge some of the things that are happening, but, but just turn on the news or scroll social media for like 30 seconds and you will see the brokenness of our world. You will see the darkness, the pain, the fear, the disappointment, the sin that's happening all around us. And if we're honest, even within us. Darkness is not hard to find, is it? In fact, just a couple quick stats for you. This literally took me two minutes to collect. If you didn't know, there are currently, according to the United Nations, there are currently more than 50 million slaves in the world today. That's one in every 200 people alive is existing in slavery. The World Bank estimates that more than 700 million people live in extreme poverty, less than $2.15 a day. 114 million people are currently displaced by war and other human rights violations. Darkness is not hard to find. Let's bring it a little closer to home. The National Institute of Mental Health estimates that 30% of Americans will experience depression or, or extreme anxiety in their lifetime. It's like almost one in three. If you take a look around this room, those stats are not kept outside the door. And all of that helps contribute to the more than 48 million Americans dealing with substance abuse and addiction today. In LA County, there are 1.4 million people living in poverty, with almost 50,000 of them being homeless. Y'all, I, I just want to point out, I, I grew up in a city of 50,000. Just for scale, if you think about this, that's like the whole city's population living on the streets. Darkness is not hard to find. And this is the current state of our world. Now, now don't get me wrong, I'm not like, I don't want to be a downer here today. Um, there have been some incredible progresses we've seen over the, over the past 2,000 years. Progress that led almost exclusively through the church's engagement in Western civilization. Things like modern education and medicine, life expectancy, science, fair government, the abolition of slavery in America, justice movements, equal rights for women and minorities, and the list could go on and on and on. And all of these things, friends, have been pushed forward by the church in culture. So don't let anyone ever tell you the church is irrelevant or needs to be limited, okay? The church created and saved Western civilization more than once. But again, even with all that good that God has done through the church, it seems that the darkness just keeps spreading. It's relentless. And it can feel like there's just no end in sight. Still, none of this is new. In fact, this darkness has been spreading since Genesis chapter 3, which is why, back to the top, this introduction from Jesus, the, the, the introduction he made is so, such profoundly good news. And so instantly encouraging for the world that's being oppressed by the dark. Because in it, Jesus, friends, he is tethering himself to a promise. 
He is attaching himself to a promise. And if you're taking notes, this is kind of the big idea of what we're covering today. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he is attaching himself to this epic storyline woven into the entirety of Scripture from cover to cover. From cover to cover. And not just as some random actor in the background, but rather he is positioning himself in this statement, positioning himself as the champion for all future light and the hero who would one day come to expel the darkness for good. And so it's this narrative, this introduction, this promise that I'm going to be taking a closer look at this morning. Um, and that is essentially how Jesus is the light of the world and why this truly is good news for all people. Everyone excited? Yes? Yes, Pastor, I'm so fired up. You just downed us like for 10 minutes and now we have to be happy. Y'all, there is some good news coming at you today as we dig in. So, listen, I'd like to begin by establishing some context for where this, um, this introduction sits in the scriptures. Because even though we might have some initial ideas about the concept of light and dark, I want you to know there are layers that exist beneath the surface, layers of meaning that exist beneath the surface of the statement that will help us all discover why this introduction is such good news. And so we're going to start with what he said, Jesus said, where he said it and what was heard. And then from there, we'll talk about what this means for us and this introduction means for us as his people today. Ephesians 5 calls us people of light. People of light. The light of the world, and we are people of light. So we'll talk about what that means for us today. Sound good? Okay, here's some context. So who is the original audience listening in John chapter 8? If you didn't know, this introduction made by Jesus was first spoken to Jews gathered in the temple in Jerusalem at the end of a Jewish festival called Sukkot. Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, sometimes it's called the Feast of Booths. And this festival happened every single year when they would gather, Jews from all over the region would gather in Jerusalem to remember and celebrate the journey Israel took from Egypt to the Promised Land, also known as the Exodus. Cool. And so again, it's to them in this scene that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And, and when he did, those listening in the temple would have immediately connected this introduction with a fair amount of excitement and curiosity, but also some skepticism to four key moments within their own story. And if you're taking notes, you can write these down. Those listening would have thought of these four things. They would have thought of creation. They would have thought of redemption, direction, and anticipation. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, these things would have come to mind for those listening in the temple. Creation, redemption, direction, and anticipation. Let's take a look at these real quick. So, starting with creation. When Jews thought about light, the light of the world, they would have first been brought back to the story of creation. Genesis chapter 1. I want to read this real quick. It's on the screen. It says, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness, there it is, covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Now, I'm sure most of you have heard this first day of creation before, right? Let there be light. 
But what was pointed out to me earlier this week is, and I don't know how I missed this over the course of my 42 years of kind of knowing this story, um, but it's not actually until day four of creation that, that God creates the sun and the moon and the stars. And so when God said, let there be light and there was light, where exactly is this light coming from? Well, this is where it gets really interesting, and this is why it's important to know the backstory here. Because in Jewish tradition, the understanding of creation is that when God said, let there be light, he was essentially saying to a world of darkness, he was saying, let the light of my glory be revealed on the earth. And this is key, because in the beginning, the light of creation, Genesis 1, was not from creation itself. That didn't happen until till the fourth day. But rather, it came from the radiant glory of God's presence projected into the world. Why, would, why was this happening, right? Let's go back to the beginning here. What was the purpose? It was so new life might come forth. So let me say this again. Light of creation was the glory of God's presence shining into the world, into the darkness, to bring new life. And this is what those hearing this in the temple, this introduction, would have thought about first. They would have heard Jesus saying, essentially, that he is the manifest glory of God's presence. That he is God's light shining into the darkness of creation to bring new life, just like he did at the beginning. Isn't that amazing? Context is beautiful. And, and it, this is actually why in, uh, in John, the Gospel of John, why he opens it the same way, um, connecting Jesus to creation. Check this out. It'll be on the screen. John 1. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. This is Jesus. And nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Isn't this beautiful? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The word brought light to everyone, and the light shines in the dark. The dark cannot extinguish it. The first assumption here, Jesus connected to creation, into creation. Now from there, the second assumption that the Jews hearing this for the first time um, in John 8 would, would have been, it would have been to follow this, this presence from creation the light of God's presence from creation into their story of salvation and redemption through the Exodus. When God, in all his power, humbled the Egyptian empire and rescued his people from slavery. And y'all, this story, the Exodus, if you didn't know, is like their greatest story. This is like their cultural defining moment to, de to describe who they are as a people. Because before the Exodus, they were slaves. They were under the thumb of Egypt. They had no identity or place in the world. But then God came. The same God whose glory brought new life to creation in the beginning. He came and he saved them. He called them. He freed them and gave them a place to call their own. He gave them a promised land. And if that wasn't enough... If redemption of Israel wasn't enough from Egypt, God also committed along the way. Every step of the way to give them direction as they went. This is the third thing, direction. Does anyone know how God decided to, to guide and direct Israel through the wilderness? A pillar of fire at night. The light of God's presence, the literal light of God's presence, would lead them along the way as a giant pillar of fire to illuminate the dark. Totally wild. 
Which brings us back to this present moment where Jesus is speaking in John 8. Because if you remember, everyone was gathered in John 8 to celebrate this very moment in their history. The redemption and the direction God gave as they made out of their way out of Egypt. And what's so cool bringing this back around is that at the very end of Sukkot, this festival, Feast of Booths, if you didn't know, the last thing they would do last time is they would break out these giant gold lampstands called menorahs. In fact, in the, the scriptures say that in the temple there were ten five-foot menorahs that each had seven flames in the temple. And they would get them out at the end of this festival, they'd strike a match and fill the entire room with light. Why? To celebrate how the light of God's presence from creation saved them from Egypt, redemption, and then led them through the wilderness with direction to the promised land. And they would do this every single year. Every single year as they waited in, number four, anticipation. For God to come and do it again. They gathered every single year as they waited for the Messiah, the promised Messiah, to come and redeem them again and fulfill the promise made by the prophet Isaiah that says this. It's on the screen. It says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will go on, will not go on forever. Thank you, Fran. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And so this is the context for John chapter 8. Jews celebrating this epic story of how God saved them through his presence, how they freed him from captivity and then led them through the wild to the promised land while they currently lived under the Roman neck um, captivity. And eager anticipation of the fulfillment of Isaiah 9. And this is it. There was creation, there was redemption, there was direction and anticipation all in context. And that's the scene when all of a sudden in John 8, here comes Jesus. And picture this for a second, because he's standing in this temple, and the whole room is glowing in memory of what God did before through the menorahs. And all of a sudden, here's Jesus, and he, and he steps up, he clears his throat, he places himself within their story and the promise from Isaiah 9 by saying, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And so all these people hanging out in John chapter 8 are just stunned. Why? Because what Jesus was essentially saying to them is, I am the glory of God that lit up the chaos of creation. I am the one who saved you and redeemed your story in Egypt. Oh, and, and I'm also the one that walked with you and provided for you, the one you're celebrating even now with the menorahs. Yeah, that was me guiding you through the dark and giving you direction in the wilderness of life. I am the great light of the world. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, you followed me before. Now follow me again. And you won't have to walk in the dark anymore. Why? Because the light of God's presence that leads to life will be with you. Man, Jesus is awesome, huh? Sometimes I was telling, I, was, I think I was telling the deacons this past week, I was like, man, 
There are times where I read the Bible and I'm just like, Jesus was wild. This is absolutely amazing how all of these stories interconnect and how Jesus places himself right in the middle. Amen? And we see it. You know, we got the book and we can connect those dots and we've got the time and the history and the theology and the doctrine. But could you imagine existing in the first century? Could you imagine being one of those people present in John 8, even with the possibility of this Isaiah 9 like being fulfilled? Jesus continues in chapter 9, verse 3, and says this. It was not because of the sins of his parents, Jesus answered. It was, sorry. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, the dark is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. And here in, in John 9, he's saying, I am the glory of God on earth. I am the redeemer who gives life. And I am the one who opens the eyes of the blind for those living in literal darkness so they might see what's next. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you still have light that leads to life. And this is the introduction. Isn't that wild? This is the introduction one more time. He is the light of the world. Sent so the world he loves won't have to walk in the dark. Because now he's offering himself as a guide. The light that leads to life. The light of the world woven into the entirety of scripture from creation. Chapter 1 of your Bibles. Through the Exodus. To the prophets. The gospels. The story of the church. And even into eternity which we see so beautifully revealed in the end, the last chapter of Revelation. So to follow this storyline that Jesus is placing himself within, the story starts in Genesis chapter 1, and it, the first chapter of your Bibles, and it ends Revelation chapter 22. Let me read this to you. Yeah, this is going to be just wild. It says this, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. If you didn't know, this is, this is the end that we're seeing here. This is the finality of what life will be like when all things are made new. Verse 2. The river had flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Wow. 
anyone's, if anyone is um, going through something right now, we all have things. The darkness is not hard to find. Let this, let this be an encouragement for your future, okay? Verse 3. No longer will there be a curse on anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. Verse 5. And there will be no night there, no darkness, no need for lamps or sun. Why? For the Lord God will shine on them. And they, who is they? God the Father and the Lamb, the Ancient One and the Son of Man, the Father of Light and the Light of the World. They will reign forever and ever. And this is, y'all, this is, this is what was said. This is the introduction from John chapter 8. This is what was said and what was meant, what was heard and what was fulfilled, and finally what was promised for the end. Now, bringing it all back to us, as, as that's a lot, of, a lot of really interesting content to process, but bringing it back to us, what does this all mean to us as his people today in our faith? After all, we're not Jews, at least most of us, I don't think we're Jews in the house today, and most of us didn't live through the exodus from Egypt, nor are we living in the first century with all the yearly festivals to celebrate and remind us. And so what does the light of the world, what does the light of the world mean for us when we read this in John chapter 8? Well, simply put, as Christians today, it means the exact same thing to us as it did to them. Because when Jesus even now introduces himself to us as the light of the world, he does so with the same four assumptions, implications, and expectations of response. Four things, creation, redemption, direction, and anticipation. Only this time, it's the creation of new life in us the redemption of our past and our story, the direction for our faith today, and the anticipation we must have for eternity. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he wants you to know, he wants you to know that he is God. And only he can create in you new life. Friends, nothing grows in the dark. Nothing grows in the dark. It's only through the radiant glory of Jesus and the light of his presence that you can ever truly experience new life. And I need you to know that he wants to give you new life. He wants to give you new life, so much so that he literally became a human being, the son of man, and he went to the cross and died a brutal criminal's death. Also, you might be born again into something beautiful, born into something better, New life only comes from Jesus, and he wants you to know it. Check this out from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This kind of drives this creation piece home. It says, Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that, he, that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, we, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And this is it. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. Most translations actually say a new creation. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. 
And this must come first as we hear this introduction today. And guys, it's available. It is available for you and for me and for the whole world wandering through this present darkness. You can experience, you can experience and receive the new life God wants to give you. And all it takes is you welcoming the light of the world into the darkness of your life. Welcoming the light of the world into your story. Saying, Jesus, I believe you're real. You're good. You love me and you lead to peace. I don't want to walk in the dark anymore. I want to be a new creation. Shine your light into every part of my life from here to heaven. I'm walking with you. And that's the first, that's the first response Jesus wants from his introduction. And I, I don't know where everyone's coming from today. I don't know the backstory that everyone brings through these doors. I just know what's up with me. And y'all, so y'all, if, if you've never done this, if you have never invited the light of the world into the darkness of your story, y'all, why wait? Let's do it right now. And honestly, I'd like for all of us to do it right now together. And so if you want the light of Jesus to shine in your life, whether it's the first time or you've been a Christian your whole life, let this be a day of new life growing in you. And so I just want to, let's say this together as a reminder for some and as a confession for most, okay? So let's see this together. Let's say, Jesus, I believe you are real, you're good, you love me, and you lead to peace. I don't want to walk in the dark anymore. I want to be a new creation Shine your light into every part of my life. From here to heaven, I'm walking with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the first response. When we think about the new creation that Jesus, the light of the world, wants to make in us. Now, the second thing Jesus wants you to know and respond to is that he, he wants you to know that he wants to not only make you new, he wants to do it by redeeming what's old. Let me say that again. Jesus wants you to know that, that the newness he wants to do in you is not just like take it and throw it away, but rather he wants to use what was by redeeming what's old. He wants to build something beautiful. Jesus wants to save you from your past and then take everything you have to build a future with it because nothing is wasted with Jesus. He wants to redeem everything. Ephesians chapter 1 says it like this. He says, In him we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Romans 8 expands on this by saying, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son, the son of man, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And this is so good. Having given them right standing, he gave them his glory, the light of creation. So Ephesians 5, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Once you were full of darkness, you were. Darkness is not hard to find. 
Some of you might be wandering even now, trying to make your way through the wild, as Jesus is just calling out to you to guide you through it. And this is why, again, it's so vital we hear the good news of this introduction this morning, because Jesus wants to light up your life. Jesus wants to light up your life. He wants to make sense of your past and bring future from your former way. And he's the only one who can. Because he is the literal manifest glory of God. So give it over. Let Jesus redeem your story as he shines the light of a thousand suns into your life. I just feel like there's people here today that just have to hand it over. We need to hand it over and welcome the glory of God into our hearts and minds because he wants to save us. He wants to redeem us. But this salvation isn't meant to be a one-time thing for you. It's actually a continuous work he wants to do in you. And this is something that I think I missed growing up when I was responding to the altar call at Bible camp, gave my life to Jesus. It's not that, it's not that we just get saved, friends. It's that, it's that in our moment of faith, we give our lives to Jesus, and he begins the work of saving us every single day. From here to heaven, Revelation chapter 22, Jesus is actively redeeming us and saving us, shining light into the darkness around us. Just like Israel in the Exodus, as we make our way to the promise of eternity, the saving work of Jesus continues. We are being saved by Jesus every single day, and he does this through giving us direction. Why? Because Jesus doesn't want us wandering around in the dark anymore. He doesn't want you to make a 40-day trip last 40 years in the wilderness of life. And so he calls us. He calls you, and he gives us a guide. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He places his light, the light of creation, within us. And so we might experience real life with him. And we might avoid all the unnecessary pitfalls that so easily complicate our lives. And listen, I, I get that the darkness is still there. Even as people of light, I get, I get that the world is still breaking apart at the seams as we anticipate the return, as we anticipate Revelation chapter 22. I'm under no illusion that just because you welcome the light of Jesus in your life that things are just going to be easy. That things are just going to be like rainbows and butterflies aside of heaven. No, just like the first century, amidst the literal presence of God walking on earth, things were still terrible. Rome was still there. Death was still present. Darkness was not hard to find. The difference is that as you think about this reality of darkness and light, the difference is would you rather walk this life trying to focus on your own in the dark? Or would you rather have the light of light with you to guide you and give you direction as you wait for what is to come? Because that is up to you. You can't control the darkness around you. I mean, you can shine in, but you can't control what the, what's happening in the world on a broad scale. But see, see, this is up to you. You can either turn out the light and wander, or you can open yourself to the glory of God, the light of the world, as he becomes a lamp for your feet and a light to your path. That's up to you. 
God wants to give direction for today. He wants to help you navigate the realities of this world. And honestly, you don't have to look hard to figure out what to do. If you want to walk in the light, it all comes back to what we heard in Ephesians 5. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Verse 8, once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. This is why it said, at the very end here, Awake, O sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And this is it, guys. Jesus wants you to follow him, to be like him as we make our way from here till Revelation chapter 22. This is, what, this is what he's inviting us into. The promise he makes is that he'll take care of the rest. You don't have to figure out best steps along the way or how to navigate the complexities of life on your own. You know, you just need to follow his lead. To look to the light of the world and he will direct you. He will guide you and grow you into new life and redeem your past and show you the way today to reach tomorrow as he continues to save you. Again and again, the saving work of Jesus all until things are made new. And this is John chapter, this is the introduction that he makes to us as the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Now, I gotta wrap this up. I could talk about context for days. If you packed a lunch, I would just keep on going, okay? But, but as we close for today, because we gotta wrap this up, Becca, John, who else is coming up? Becca, John, and Steve? Gonna come up and lead in a minute? If you could come on up. As we close, here's the, here's the question I wanna pass by you. As we close, I wonder what you need most from the light of the world today. Because, I mean, deep down, we all want to be faithful. Deep down, we all, we all want to obey Jesus and experience the best things of life. None of us long for a life wandering in the dark, and yet we so often find ourselves there. No one wants pain or confusion. No one wants to be locked into a constant state of frustration. We all want peace, right? We all want to live a life filled with light, with freedom that feels fresh and real. Of course we do. Jesus wants that for us too. So the question I have for you is, what do you need most from his light today? Maybe for some of you, like we just talked about this like initial confession, maybe it's just the beginning today and, and, and it's time for you to give your life to him fully as he makes you new maybe for the first time. Maybe for some of you, you're still holding on so tight to the past that you need Jesus to come and make the most of your future. You need to be redeemed and rescued again. Freed from the darkness, maybe that you've brought on yourself, maybe that's been put upon you. Maybe you just need the light to redeem you again. And still, maybe for some, honestly, this is probably everyone, you just need some direction. Maybe it's just time to ask for direction for how to live free as people of light. You just need someone to lead you into the new life. I don't know. I don't know what you need most. All I know is that Jesus, the light of the world, is here, and he came to make an introduction to you and to me. And so we might know what God is like as he lights up the dark around us. And so what, what is it that you need from the light of the world today? What is it that you need from the light of the world today? Creation, new creation, 
redemption, direction, as we anticipate his coming again. What is it that we need from the light of the world this morning? I want to pray for you. Um, and then we're going to be dismissed. You can either be dismissed to go hang in the lobby or in the courtyard, or you can be dismissed to stick around here for some ministry time of prayer and worship where you can come down and receive, pray, be prayed for. All good either way. If you need some light in your life, stick around. If you want to hang out, you need some more information, you can head on out, whatever. But let's pray to close our service and, and then you'll be dismissed. But as we go, just that question remains. Where do you need the light of Jesus to shine this morning? Ask him to come. Invite him to come into your trials. Invite him to, to come into your doubts. Invite him into the darkness that you have found yourself in. And invite him into the darkness that surrounds you as a person of light. Invite the light of the world into your story and watch him grow you in obedience and faith. Ask him to come. Invite him in. He wants to lead you to true life. So let's pray and then we can, we can be dismissed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're grateful. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for all the ways that you've met us, that you've made us new, new life, recreated us. We thank you for all the ways you've saved us over time, all the ways you've rescued us and pulled us out of all this terrible stuff that we've been in, God, all the ways that you've carried us. We thank you. Jesus, we thank you for all the ways that you want to lead us and direct us and, and, and bring us to our greatest possible end as we await Revelation chapter 22 when all things are made new. So Jesus, we just thank you today. We hear your introduction, that you are the glory of creation, the manifest glory of God walking the earth, God. And we just, we just say thank you, and we invite you, God. We invite you into our story. We invite you into our life. And we ask that you would shine bright, that you'd lead us into a greater sense of optimism and positivity as we think about what you can do. God, that we begin to finally let go of all the stuff that's been holding us back, all that cloud that has been hovering over us, God. We ask that you would just extinguish the darkness and shine your light bright in this place today. Jesus, we thank you and we love you and we're so grateful for all the ways that you've cared, all the ways that you've chosen to make an introduction to us. Light of the world, we honor you. Light of the world, we love you. Light of the world, Help us shine your light out into the darkness with you. And so, Jesus, we are grateful, and we thank you for today. And, um, and that's it. Jesus, thank you. We're so grateful. In your name we pray. We all said amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday. You're dismissed. You can stick around, or you can make your way out.